Hello and welcome to the Optic Nerds Podcast. Today we're getting wise, we're getting back to church. It's the Easter special. Welcome to the latest edition of the Optin Nerds podcast. Uh, today we're going to be discussing three Easter films, and uh, I am joined as ever by my good friends, Miraculous Mark Finch. Don't touch me. And pious Phil Beresford. Pius <laughs> <laughs> uh, doesn't even. There's no alliteration there like there was with Marks. Well, that's very true. What's a good? What's a good? It's a P. Phil begins with a P. That's lazy thinking. Well, come on. It was, it was off the cuff. Um, what's good for Phil then? Faithful Phil Beres. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's that's got the f- sound. I was going to say pilots. <laughs> <laughs> that had the same problem with, as the other one. Yeah. <laughs> the pilot, pilot. Some, some severe Easter egg on my face. Yeah, <laughs> Easter egg all over your face. <laughs> um, but yes, as as you may have gathered from our, our initial. Um, Intro. We are. It is Easter time. A time for chocolates. A time for lots of uh, lovely eggs, and a time to bake some Jesus cakes and talk about some Easter films. Basically, what we we're doing is we're we're focusing on three particular films um, that are all about the the last week of Jesus's life, well, the last days, and um, we've gone for sort of some of the more modern retellings rather than the old old kind of classic. Hollywood style ones. So the three films we'll be looking at today are Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ, Martin Scorsese's Last Temptation of Christ, and Norman Jewison's Jesus Christ Superstar. An eclectic mix, I'm sure you'll agree, but all about the same subject. Now, um, spoilers. (laughs) Uh, I think it's fair to say that um, we're going to be talking about, you know, the end of these particular films. But I think people probably know the story now well enough. Yeah, I think we all know what happens at the end. Yeah. The, the boat sinks. <laughs> or do we? <laughs> and if you but... don't switch off, you heathen swine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, sorry. <laughs> the, the door, door just, just opened, <laughs> opened door, by itself. Man, the door just literally opened by itself. So we are, we're obviously oh, on right. very, very shaky ground. So, yeah, obviously it's a story we all know well. It's based on uh, Charles Dickens' The Holy Bible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, D- D- Dickens, right? The Bible. <laughs> uh, oh, right. No, sorry. Uh, just a bit of Easter humour there. <laughs> um, I'm not editing that. Out. <laughs> Staying in. No. no, no. Um, oh, yeah. 
Oh, what a knobhead. <laughs> 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 in all seriousness, folks, um, obviously we'll be, we'll be looking at these three films and uh, I think we should just kick off really because there's going to be a lot and a lot of talking points. Like I say, the three very, very different films and I'm sure we'll, we'll encourage a lot of different and various talking points. So I'm just going to kick right off. I I didn't really sort of have a a real idea as to kind of what order to do these films in so but the one I've sort of chosen has ended up being reverse <coughs> chronological so yeah, that's true actually yeah, we're, yeah. We're, so, cause I thought we start with possibly what is I'm not all three films are serious but I thought I'd start off with the one that really is the, the grittiest and the most um, harsh which is, is uh, The Passion of the Christ it's quite Marcus. brutal in terms yeah. of yeah. depicting that so I mean th- obviously this is there's a lot of interesting things in around this film it's I think it does work out as one of the most profitable sort of independent films ever made, uh, and uh, obviously Mel Gibson is a is a is a person who's had a lot of controversy surrounding his life and since he's made this film in other ways. Hmm. But I'm gonna let's try and focus on the film rather than the man. I would say um, uh, when we do this, he, so he, he brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm arguing yeah, with myself. Why, why did you do that? <laughs> But you know, it's easy to talk about Mel Gibson films, and the stigma is that he's he's Mel Gibson. But this, you know, I'm just saying, let's try and focus on the film here, guys. Discipline. Um, so, uh, Phil, I'm going to go to go to you first. Um, what did you make of Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ? Very tricky, this one. I think if, if ever there was a film that made the case for it being essential that you considered the filmmaker's intent intent or intentions alongside the finished product this is it because without that what you've got essentially is two hours of a bloke being tortured horrendously and um, what Mel Gibson's trying to do in this film as a is he, is he, he's Catholic isn't he Mel Gibson yeah, yeah. Um, is give the most honest um, account of the last day or days of Christ's life and the, the brutality you know what it meant for him to be crucified and if you believe that this person was someone who died for the sins of everybody else well this is what he did this is what he went through you know it wasn't it wasn't no picnic and um, <laughs> it wasn't a musical and I, and I think in, on those terms it's really successful um, it's not an enjoyable watch and uh, I'm trying to think what what how your reactions might vary depending on your own personal beliefs because I think out of all the three, this one is 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 the one where that that probably matters most. I think it's it's I think it's brutal, difficult to get through, but the message that Mel Gibson's trying to convey is successfully realised. That's kind of the most articulate summation I can give you of it I think um, now I can never pronounce the guy's name so one of you please help me out <laughs> Jim Caviezel Caviezel mm. is excellent I think there's some incredible imagery in it as well uh, the thing that um, where we've, you've got Satan represented by the kind of androgynous figure that's carrying the baby mm-hmm. I think uh, that kind of stuff was incredibly well done throughout and I don't know what I feel. I don't know what I feel about it in terms of is it a good film or is it? A, we're certainly not a bad film, but 
where does it sit? You know, it, it, it kind of defies conventional classification in a way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm a bit kind of flummoxed on that score. Okay. Do you think it merits another watch? To um, sort of maybe uh, for a second, then I thought you were. I thought you were saying, did it merit a sequel? <laughs> I'd love to see a sequel. To yeah. I would love to. See I think uh, we, we at Al Yankovic kind of explored it in um, uh, in UHF, didn't he? Jesus is back and he's pissed off or something. I can't remember. What no, it wasn't. That wasn't that. That was. Um, that was Family Guy. Family Guy did one. You, uh, I don't know what. UHF, I think that was something else. I guess one UHF had a had a f- film in it, which was Jesus Two or something. I, I, maybe I'm I thinking remember. I'm getting my uh, my my. It's um, probably my not. Mixed uh, up. It's probably been done before. Yeah, that, that, that joke's been made. But sorry, no. The, 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 I guess the point I was making is. Does just, it warrant another watch? Just, just um, to sort of so to, to kind of so you know how you feel about it, and you'd be yeah better. I think it probably does, I but I think it also not to get too uh, reflective. Hey man, no, come on. Hey, yeah, <laughs> let's yeah. Get let's get reflective. This is a this is a hefty if, subject. If my you're friend. really gonna take this film, if you're gonna try and watch this film, um, and, and really get to grips with what it's saying, I think it probably does make you look at your own beliefs and and if not if not question them, just kind of evaluate them. Um, because if nothing else, if you believe none of what the New Testament says, what you have here is the is the account of of something that happened to a man. And happened to to thousands of other men around this time, and um, in that in that case, in that sense, it's it's a really disturbing um, account of man's humanity to man, man's inhumanity to man. Yeah. I'm doing that little thing with me with my fingers, mm-hmm. listeners, for quote marks there. And um, but as a Christian, it must be uh, I don't know how how does a Christian react to this film? I know it did big business with the. Christian community and there were showings in churches and church halls and stuff uh, must must be heartbreaking I suppose well I think it's I mean uh, the, the the demographic demographics of the audience in the US is certainly you know heavily weighed towards um, Christian belief and you know obviously it did massive business there so it obviously succeeded at some level but there were well there were some controversies which we'll get to in a second let's maybe first see I what... just say about that I didn't quite understand I know um, he was, and it's difficult not to talk about Mel Gibson's troubles when you deal with this point. But I know that the film was accused of anti-Semitism because of the way it depicted the um, the Pharisees. Well, it was yeah, it was, yeah. and their role yeah. in the um, in the uh, execution of of Jesus. But uh, it it seemed to it it didn't it wasn't depicting things any differently. I didn't feel to to, to what I knew about that. Uh, the story from from the Gospels. So that's right, and 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 Jesus Christ Superstar. And I know we're going to talk about that later, but that they depict the same thing, just you know, in song instead of drama or narrative. But it's just it's the same thing. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's as it is in the Gospels. Ex- exactly. So I think the controversy is more about what Mel Gibson said as a public figure as opposed to what he says in the film. But I know you didn't want to go into that, so that's fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, yeah. well, I mean, I, I guess sorry, maybe I was being naive. It's difficult to talk about the film without talking about the man I conceived. But I guess at first, first things first, I guess I, I get wanted to get your thoughts on the film. So, so Mark. Yeah, well, I really agree with Phil on this one. It's it's difficult to label. I mean, th- there's there's definitely moments of hammy sort of 
heavy-handed directing, I think, but it kind of gets the point across. I mean, how many times does Jesus fall over in slow motion in this film? I mean, you could literally turn this into a drinking game, which is every time he falls over, you take a drink. Um, you will be very, very drunk by the end of the film. Um, I thought, I, you see, I didn't think that was in slow motion. I thought that was oh, being, no. he was being lowered gently to the ground by the angels. Who were <laughs> you could very well be right. Um, nevertheless, I mean... I'd imagine someone who's been almost whipped to death and is forced to carry a heavy cross will fall down a lot, so that's fair enough. Um, but from but a te- technical point of view, without the slow motion, this film would have been an hour and a half. Yes, as opposed to just under two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it is full of incredibly striking imagery. Of the the cinematography is beautiful, and I, I love the look of this film. The, Who's that by? Oh, you know what? I can't remember. Caleb uh, Caleb Deschanel. Oh, no. Who is um, the, the father of uh, Emily and Zoe or Zoe Deschanel? Ah, okay. He's a very quite famous uh, DOP, I think. Okay. And he's done his like directed some telly, but yeah. What else has he done? No idea. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> My research only goes so far. Okay. I thought Caleb Deschanel. That's interesting. I wonder if he's, if he's related to. <laughs> so I went tabloid rather than went technical. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> fair enough. That's fair enough. You went you went TV awards rather than. After technical, yeah, yeah, exactly. Lennon Moulton as opposed to Mark <laughs> Mode, you know, that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I, th- I think I think it's difficult to the, the the impression I got with this film and and comparing it to the other two films that we were going to talk about, you know, soon. Um, and it's difficult not to compare when you watch three films about the, the, the death of Jesus in such a short amount of time that like we've mm. had to to review these. Um, is that I found this one to be maybe just a little bit more emotion, emotionally manipulative mm-hmm. than, say, Jesus Christ Superstar, which I know sounds ridiculous. Um, no, that's what he's going for, isn't it? That's well, exactly right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is fine because at the end of the day, um, you know what the Bible tells us is that Jesus died a, a horrible, horrible death. That's kind of the point of his sacrifice, and what Mel Gibson shows is he shows it nuts and bolts and everything. You know, it's it's. The guy was whipped, <laughs> and and it and it and it hurt because that's what happens when you get whipped, and you know it's it's a nasty, brutal thing, and it, and it, he shows it, and it's and you can't help but feel physically sick, and it takes a lot for me to to get disgusted when I watch films. I mean, I've seen so many horror films over the years, but you know, see, seeing this man getting, you know, regardless of who he was, who he was depicted to be, get, getting tortured in such a grotesque. And, and and obviously you know a painful way it, it really put a lump in my stomach and I, and I think that's that's obviously what Mugglesman was trying to do he was really trying to show the passion <laughs> well yeah, yeah I was going to ask you about I mean you, you might know better than me what's the um, the significance of the title the passion the, 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 the passion well the passion I believe refers to is just the last moments of Jesus's life so I think that's basically from when he enters Jerusalem um as almost like a heroic figure on the donkey and getting praised to when he goes mad in the temple and destroys the temple that's the whole you've turned this house into a den of thieves kind of um, yeah, moment the money changes uh, uh, to the point where the where, where Caiaphas and, and, and his cohorts kind of um, uh, tr- decide to charge him for, for proclaiming himself king of the Jews and from that point he's charged and then it's the what we what you see in the passion of the Christ so from the what what is referred to as the agony in the garden which is when pretty much when we come into passion of the Christ is the agony in the garden yeah when he's trying to plead with God to not have to do what he's about to do mm. to the point when it happens 
So it's um, I mean there are I mean I, I mean don't get me wrong I'm I'm no expert I did go to church you know I was a churchgoer when I was young um, my, my parents still are and th- th- there's a number of kind of reference terms you know there's the stations of the cross and there's the passion and, and the, the two kind of intertwine in different ways I couldn't I can't go into great detail about it but this is kind of where the controversy is I think with this film we, we, I mean I, I agree with both of you it's a very very difficult watch but I think it's successful. Um, one of the things I think, uh, one of the reasons why I sort of said, shall we not maybe focus on Mel Gibson, the the man, because it's obvious, you know, that he he's has some problems <laughs> and has problems mm. as, as an individual, but as a director, you have to say he's bloody good. I mean, looking at this, looking at films like Apocalypto, the man can direct a movie. Yeah, um, I think I think the guys in uh, South Park said it best. And yeah, the guy's a douche, but he knows story structure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, give him his early films. I mean, uh, you know, but, even Braveheart. Braveheart is is one of the most historically inaccurate films ever made, but it is it is rousing drama and it's it's really well directed. I think. There's a, I thought. I mean, so, something like Star Wars is far more historically inaccurate than Braveheart. None of those people oh, yeah, existed. No. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like say it's one of those things that. Well, what you meant to say was historical adaptations. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> man, this is a, definitely a geek circle. But um, <laughs> but then there's also the man without a face, which is one of the most disappointing titles ever, because <laughs> that man had a face all over his face. <laughs> but uh, his early efforts, I'm not a fan of, but. From the passion and from Apocalypto, you can see he. Re- I mean, Apocalypto is one of the best chase films I've I, ever seen. I, I love Apocalypto. So I mean, I actually think he's a very, very skilled director. But the controversy here, I guess, lies from the fact that in and amongst the stories, like you know what what is termed as the passion or the stations of the cross and all that, yeah. what Mel, Mel Gibson's choice in this film was um, not to follow to follow the Gospels, but to add things that have been have come from visions and teachings later on in oh, history really? okay because i mean the gospels cover the flogging in a couple of lines yeah and they're not even yeah. covered in all the gospels no. um uh so that whole scene was just mel gibson and his vision of it ah right well this is okay, where yeah. i fall down in terms of um my my um lack of well research probably because <laughs> um, i didn't i i in terms of what would have constituted those events I don't know where you would find that in terms of history, accounts of history You know, there's something around this whole period that kind of confuses me slightly when people talk about the veracity of, of stuff like the Gospels because you've got for example um, all sorts of historical texts haven't you from years before, hundreds, thousands of years before yeah. um, the time of Christ uh, but we don't seem to have anything that's, that's comparable other than the Gospels around that that time to go on. You know, there's no kind of, for want of a better description, objective kind of account, contemporary account. Or is that what the Gospels were going for? You know, well, I, I no, don't... I mean, it, it, like you say, I mean, a lot of it. I mean, I'm not in saying that. I'm not trying to belittle. I'm, I'm not saying that it was more or less harsh than Mel Gibson is depicting it but I guess what I'm saying is that he was using non-contemporaneous accounts in some in some bits of that film things that have come to visions of, of kind of nuns and priests and others and other writings 
one there's one particular and this is I'm, I don't know this off the top of my head I'm not this is something I've, I looked into because we're doing this podcast was a, a nun called um, Anne Catherine Emmerich who was um, uh, sort of alive in the I think it was sort of the late 18th early 19th century and some of the kind of the, the finer points of Mel Gibson's movie when he's carrying the cross to um, to Golgotha and, and, and things like that um, are taken from these visions that this nun had rather than taken directly from Gospels so okay. um, but you're right Phil it's, it is I'm, I'm not entirely sure what exists contemporaneously from then I, I think the Gospels is pretty much it although since then you have had these other Gospels like the Gnostic Gospels which are you know which the Da Vinci Code kind of bloody made <laughs> kind of brought them back up into into kind of modern uh, you know modern times but uh, you know which includes things like the Gospel of Judas and the Gospel of you know Lost Mary of Magdalene uh, yes um, so it's kind of so there are those as well but what, what what Mel Gibson has done, I, I think, or what seems to have done, is taken you know taken the, the four gospels really, and then added elements to more modern visions that the people have had. Um, so it's also quite interesting. I always found that he he really does seem to go for the sort of um, realistic telling of the of the story with the with the brutal whipping and the torture and everything, and then just sort of randomly, or maybe not randomly, but just throws in some of the more supernatural elements, if you like. Like you like with the depiction of Satan, um, the the demonic creatures that haunt Judas at the beginning of the film, and Satan's sort of no at the end, yeah. you know, which which I actually found quite hammy. And I, I, I still, if, if I could change one thing about the film, it would be that. And I know the whole idea is obviously that Satan has lost, Jesus dies for the you know for man's <laughs> sins, and that's the whole point. Um, I just wish that wasn't in there because it just came across as a bit tacky. Uh, but it's kind of interesting how he's sort of mixed the two, and I think he did a really, actually, quite a good job of it. I, well, I, you have to. The gospels, are, the the part of the gospels that focus on his last days are not very long. Um, yeah, it's just it's uh, so you know to make a two-hour film, he he was always going to have to kind of, in, well, well extend off, some elements, shoot and, half of it in slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. But um, so I mean, it was. For what, like, like Phil said at the beginning, for what he was trying to achieve, he absolutely succeeded. Um, but obviously, it's going to be down to the person watching as to whether they agree with how he went about it, whether he should have taken some elements which aren't necessarily in the gospel, whether or not you know, you, you know, you believe in the actual, you know, the resurrection, which obviously depicts, you know, it, it, to some extent um, as well. So you know, it's kind of what the what the watcher of the film brings to it. Yeah. Um, but well, uh, from a, an objective point of view, I mean, it, I, I think it's a very, very, I mean, a really good film. I also like to point out, I think they, they one thing they really nailed, and that which the other two films didn't really focus on so much, uh, is his relationship with his mother, which I really liked in this. That there's a real kind of heart. I think most of the emotional impact for me came from seeing his mother's reaction to what was going on whereas Jesus Christ Superstar the emotional hub is really obviously you've got the, the relationship between Judas and Jesus but also mm. between Jesus and Mary Magdalene um, to our sensation of Christ again it's Mary Magdalene not really his mother but in this one you get to see Mary Magdalene played by Monica Bellucci is hardly even really it has that much of a part to play No, uh, it's really about him and his mother and I, I love that I, I, you know she's it's her son. And he's he's been horribly tortured, and you can and you can you know. I think that's a good point. I, I think I don't think it's a coincidence that um, Mel Gibson, as a Catholic, made it that way. 
Oh, well, yeah, I don't. Because, I'm, I'm not I mean, saying it was an accident. Um, it's, <laughs> I'm just it, saying that's the part of it. It's significant that, you know, obviously that because Mary is, you know, Mary, mother of God, is an ex, you know, is. A, a, oh yeah, a very important figure in, yeah. in Catholicism, uh, but I also actually, actually think you're right that it, it is kind of a really, a really amazing performance by her, the, yeah. the woman who played the mother, who's um, yeah, Maya Morgenstern, because uh, she's having to sort of, she knows that this is necessary, what is happening to her son, um, but she still has to kind of watch it, um, and she played that amazingly well. Yeah, I thought so as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I do agree that pointing that relationship out it was by far and away the most sort of interesting relationship in the in, in the film between him and another person. So yeah, um, so kind of what before we sort of delve into the other films because I, I I know we're kind of doing it a little bit already, but we I think we need to compare and contrast the three films when we come to the end of the podcast. Yeah, in terms of kind of wrapping up or, or final thoughts on the. On this particular film, The Passion of the Christ, um, Phil. Well, I've, I've said all, I, all I've, um, I, I can say really. I, I, but would you say, you know, is it recommended? Is it? A recommended oh, see, no, you know, stuff like yeah, that. I'm not, not going to say I give it stars. Or I that was the yeah. point. <laughs> how many, how many uh, Easter bunnies? Out you know, it's I just that was the point of what we were doing. Actually, <laughs> kind of like a verdict of, um, oh, yeah. of the film. I, I just don't know. I, I, I can't imagine recommending. The film to to many people on the grounds on the one hand on the grounds of the amount of violence that's in it and the the, the graphic nature of the of, it, of the content you know um, well the, there is actually he did Melkinson did re-edit the film for a PG audience oh did he yeah so there is actually another version where most of the violence is taken out. I think he. I think he's added some more talking, you know, some more dialogue scenes in there as well. I'm not 100 percent sure. I've not. I've got that version, but I've not seen it. Um, but there is. A, there is a more child-friendly version. I think uh, it's an Im- it's an important film within this kind of is this a subgenre, I suppose, because there are a lot of films that depict the life of Jesus Christ. And if you have any interest in that kind of thing, then uh, you would be advised to to see this. Of course, if you if if you if you're a Christian, you will all, already have seen it. I, I would guess. So I would be surprised if there were many Christians who liked the film every now and again hadn't seen this. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but I just kind of uh, I don't know. I don't even know if I'd see it again. You know. I mean, it's, it, that was a really good question because um, it, it's I'm not sure what I feel about it and. It makes me feel a little bit. <laughs> I can't. I can't say what I was about to say. <laughs> you can, you know. We're, you know, we're all friends. No, I can't. Uh, you know, when you just get like one of those bubbling Tourette's things, it crops <laughs> up at the back of your head. Um, yeah. Move on to Mark. Wow. Well, very, very. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I can see it. Well, put it this way. If I may make an observation, Phil, the you film know, obviously affected you. No, uh, well, I kind of was a little bit baffled by it mm. in some respects. I, I thought, um, and it oh, and it brought up this thing that always gets to me about this this anti-Semitism um, that, that that seems to surface around uh, this whole subject, and I just don't get it. it. It has no logic to it. How can you accuse Jews for the death? Jesus Christ 
blaming them for it when it seems to me to have been a necessary cog in this machinery that actually allowed this prophecy that people had believed in to come to fruition. If they hadn't done it, then he wouldn't have died on the cross. Therefore, if you follow that logic through, your sins couldn't be forgiven because he died for them. So they did you a favour. I think it's kind of uh, that. That's covered as well. Do you know well. what I mean? You I can make that argument about Judas, Judas Christ as well. I was going to say, which, yeah. um, which we'll probably get into more detail about when we get to Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. It's more overtly covered. But yeah, um, sorry, um, but you know, I take your point. I th- maybe the anti-Semitic stuff came in. I, well, I don't know, but maybe because it was partly Mel Gibson and it was I him. Think probably, yeah. Um, oh, I think so. No, it's yeah. just a wider point because it always comes up, regardless of whether it's this or just the, the Gospels themselves. You know. Mm idiots who kind of use something like this to to um, justify their ridiculous prejudices well it's like uh, the yeah. misogynistic thing as well I mean you could say is he misogynistic because he cast a woman as Satan you know it's, it's just kind of it, it, it comes back to Mel Gibson basically so um, <laughs> but, but you know it's an interesting take on it it's baffled and but obviously just kind of not sure how you feel about it as a uh, yeah, it's just we're so used to kind of we're so used to evaluating things as being good or exciting or um, thrilling, and it's kind of none of those things. But there's a little, in a way, there's something of each in there, uh, and that's why I mean it's that that's why it's difficult for me to to kind of classify it in the way that we we ordinarily would when we're talking about a film. Yeah, something kind of intangible about it. Yeah, yeah, mm. but I'm gonna have seen it. Uh, I probably would see it again. Yeah, but not for a long time. Yeah, fair enough. Punk. Well, I mean, this this was the second time I watched it, and I and I, uh, I, I think you you do need to see the see the film twice because I think the first time, if you're not, you know, uh, I saw it when it first came out, and despite the the hype around it, people saying how brutal it was, I don't think I was really actually prepared to sit to, for how harsh it was. And I think most of the film was me just kind of mouth open, looking at the screen, thinking, "Fuck!" He went through quite a lot. Um, the second time, you get more of. I think you get more of the emotional impact. And for me, I'm I'm not a particularly religious person, and I think whether you're religious or not, it is worth watching. If you're religious, if you're Christian or Catholic, then it's it, you. It's worth watching to see what Jesus went through, to, so he we could all be saved from our sins. If you're not religious like me, you watch the film because one, it's a, it's an amazing story anyway, and two, because there's you know if this really did happen to a man who believed he was the son of God, I'm not saying he was or wasn't, but I'm just saying this is what happened to this person. Mm. It's it's bloody awful, and and like you say, Phil, it's man's inhumanity to man. And, <laughs> no, don't, and don't repeat the fact that I said that. No, 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 but it but it <laughs> it's is such a cliche. Uh, yeah. It is, but it's a it's an old it's a two thousand year old story. It's going to be cliche. Yeah. Um. It's it's uh you know it's a powerful story, and it and it shows that you know there are evil people out there, and this is and you know whether you believe Jesus was the Son of God or not, he had a lot of very good things to preach, and this is unfortunately what happened to him and we can see that repeated through history with people like Malcolm X and you know well, it's, people uh, being it's assassinated in- for preaching peace and love well exactly it's um, it's you know it's it's a story that podcaster has- equates Jesus Christ with Malcolm X shocker <laughs> <laughs> but it's you know it's, it's a story that has been repeated throughout history and um, 
and it's the injustice that gets you because yeah. especially at parts which are all very much in the gospels when you know Pilate is saying I you know I have no charge here to put this man to death um, but the baying crowds you know say you know we want him crucified he then offers well his Barabbas who's a horrible murderer yeah or an orgy I can sit one of these two free one of whom is you know committed sort of what you say is blasphemy this chap is you know is a is a known murderer and you know they, they choose to set Barabbas free and you, you know uh, it, it does get you you know yeah, oh, um, no, I, 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 it, the, the story angers me not in a not in a way that I don't like the story but it annoys me that if this really did happen it's bloody stupid and horrible and it, mm. and it, and it annoys me it annoys me that what, what such a mistake was made but then Phil like you said if it's you know if it was all part of God's plan and I don't want to turn this into a theological discussion. I know it's I know tricky. That, We're talking about yeah, exactly. You know, but um, then this needed to happen. So it's almost as if man needed, you know, man. I'm talking about humanity needed to be, you know, assholes. Quite frankly, in mm. order for this plan to come to fruition, um, it's a point, weird, the whole point, it's a weird situation. The, the whole point is that Jesus Christ was put on earth by God in order to die this death, isn't it? Yeah. So. There you yeah. go. It's not. It, it, it was unavoidable. That's it. And but the thing about God being able to count on human beings being arseholes. <laughs> yeah. But, but it was. <laughs> that's the thing. But but the other thing is that um, if everybody all of a sudden started following his mm. teachings and thought one day, hey, yeah, you know what? We're hey, enough enough of sinning, man. And everyone just started living brilliantly. This wouldn't have come about. And point. also, actually, unavoidable. I think is possibly the wrong term because it's. Uh, I think what this film is trying to get across, and what all the films try and get across, possibly particularly this and Jesus Christ Superstar, is that it was at, it was a, it was still a choice. Um, Jesus still had to choose to do what he what he what, to do that, um, and that was kind of the you know like you say, it it was the prophecy, but it still took you know and that's what this film is trying to get across. I guess is it still the man had to make a choice to do it. Um, so it's kind of which it ties in with the whole idea that God's given everyone free will because yeah. if it if it was all part of the plan and and this was unavoidable I suppose like I use the word unavoidable mm. then that means there is no free will because it's God's planned it so um, yeah this is an interesting point. let's not just leave it at, at human beings because He also gave marine life and killer whales free free will and dinosaurs should that have been free willy <laughs> <laughs> I wondered where you were going yeah so. <laughs> Um, but I'm just going to echo what you guys say really I've only seen it twice um, and I, I think it's just a film that uh, you know be wary of that 18 certificate because there's not many films that really bloody earn it as much as this film does it's an extremely brutal watch um, and, and unless you watch the cut you know yes, the, the, the specials that existed to be honest well it's on the um, funny enough it's on the blue is that like Saturday Night, Saturday Night Fever when they'd had like you know the, the, yeah. all the swearing and the drug taking <laughs> yeah. and, then it just and all the, the racial stuff taken out it's exactly the same thing <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, never thought I'd compare those two films. Um, but I can't imagine now this has got a PG. Actually, I'd love to to, to see where the cuts have been made. It must yeah. be about twenty minutes long. But anyway, yeah, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, like I said, I've not watched it. Yeah, I've got it. But I was, yeah, just to say, I think everyone you should definitely watch this film, regardless of like Mark says, you know, your religious beliefs. I think it's a, a, a film that's very much worth watching. And you know, from a from a technical standpoint, it's directed very well maybe a bit too much slow-mo but it's still I mean the film looks amazing yeah. and the acting you know you know, Jim Caviezel and particularly Mary um, the mo- mother Mary uh, just amazing performances so um, so yeah check it out 
I, I, I've, I've only seen this film twice and weirdly enough both times I watched them on a Sunday morning <laughs> yeah strange maybe that's just my, my religious background possibly I don't know but um, worshipping at the church of Mel Gibson like yeah I mean like so I went to church when I was young I don't, I don't go to church anymore but um, certainly maybe there's just something in the back of my mind in, the, in my subconscious that made me want to watch this film on a Sunday morning because it felt right I don't know but anyway that's uh, Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ Alright folks, uh, next film up is Martin Scorsese's The Last Temptation of Christ. Um, actually before we get into this, I've just realised something uh, uh, in that I'm actually quite disappointed because when I last saw you the other day Phil, you were sporting a really nice beard and uh, and I'm just wondering because Mark usually wears a beard, I've kind of been a bit lazy of late and I've kind of got a bit, quite a lot of scruff going on. And I thought maybe we'd all been kind of subconsciously growing Jesus beards for, for the Easter special. But uh, I guess not, because Phil's come quite freshly shaven. The thing is, though, I, I do kind of resemble fat Jesus to a certain extent with my long, my long flowing locks and, and hippie beard. Uh, yeah. Well, you know. I've, I've had so many walking home from work because I work late shifts and, I, you know, walking home at sort of chucking out time. I've had so many drunk people come up to me and either calling me Jesus or Hagrid. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I've had a couple of silent bobs as well when I've got my hair tied back, but um, uh, yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, yeah. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. fat Jesus. <laughs> Stocky Jesus. Yeah. That was a Marty Bush thing, I think. Um, <laughs> but next film up, um, Martin Scorsese's Last Temptation of Christ, um, based on <laughs> based on the book. <laughs> <laughs> an actual book this time yeah. <laughs> cool <laughs> as in a novel um, uh, The Last Temptation of Christ by uh, Nikos Kazantzakis a Greek novelist who also did Zorba the Greek have, have, you, have, you read, have you read The Last Temptation of Christ? I have read it I read it read about it? no I mean either I, think, um... I read it about 10 years ago so I, I had kind of aspirations to maybe read it again before recording the podcast so it was fresh mm. but I just um didn't get the chance unfortunately but I so I you know it's a book I read 10 years ago I, I it's not freshest in, in my memory but um uh but this is perhaps uh, obviously the passion of the Christ caused some controversy but this is perhaps the one that really got um sort of uh people's tongues wagging and and you know was banned in various quarters and bits and bobs because it's not although it does directly reference parts of the gospels it also does have a, another source um, where where some more kind of controversial elements to the story happen, but uh, let's we'll get into that once we start the uh, the actual review. So, uh, Mark, come to you first this time. Uh, what did you think of Martin Scorsese's The Last Temptation of Christ? I, I had a bit of a problem with this one. I I've been wanting to watch this film for for years and years and years and years, and uh, for one reason or another, and just never managed to get round to it until we decided to do this Easter special. Um, so I was really thankful to sort of like yeah finally got my hands on a copy and was able to watch it and uh, I just could not get into it um, it's full of amazing imagery and I think this this is one of those films that it really shows Martin Scorsese as a, as a visual director um, the, the symbolism it's, it's, a, it's wonderful but 
I just couldn't get past some of the performances. Um, I couldn't get past them. Um, I, I, the, the accents. Now, I know uh, reading into the film after watching it, which is probably a bit of a mistake, um, that Mike Scorsese did this uh, on purpose, that, that he wanted them to keep, wanted the actors to keep their sort of New York you know, accents, the Brooklyn accents, the Hills Kitchen accents, you know, to sort of show the different sides of it and which is fine. But I just I just had a bit of a problem with it. Now I'm not saying they all should have put on British accents or they all should have put on, you know, uh Israelite accents or anything like that. But it just didn't sit well with me for one reason or another. What does an Israelite accent sound like? I have absolutely no idea, but it doesn't sound like a Brooklyn accent. How do you know? Well, I guess I've never been to Tel Aviv, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just uh, f- for that reason, I just found I just yeah, I just struggled with the film. And every so often, there were moments when it was br- that what I really enjoyed was the last sort of third of the film, where it suddenly veers into unfamiliar territory because it, that's when it kind of veers away from what the Bible says happened, mm-hmm. uh, where Jesus has his doubts and. You know, lives a life with Mary Magdalene and has children and, and etc. And um, and I like that part of it, but everything that came before I just found really laboured. Mm. Um, Harvey Keitel, I just ah, oh, the first five minutes where you know Judas, Harvey Keitel plays Judas. If you don't know, um, when he turns up, you know, and and Jesus is making crucifixes for the uh, for the Romans, and it, oh, I just. Yeah, I just sort of it was just sort of left me there scratching my head thinking. What His red know? hair and beard is strangely backlit as well at times, and it just makes it look so kind of frizzy and fake and permy. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I'm glad you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, glad you said that, Phil. Um, <laughs> Harvey Keitel was a. It was a strange, strange choice. Big, big problem for me as well. Yeah, with the film. definitely. Right. Okay, Phil. Uh, well, you've. Yeah, well, I don't share a lot of um, Mark's other reservations about it because I do really, I do really rate it. I think um, that final third, where which is the the the, um, the fan, you know, you spoke about a choice earlier, and this is this is the crux of of the fantasy that Christ has on the cross, where mm-hmm. he imagines what what a life he could have had as a normal man, and again, in it makes the same it makes the same point as. Mel Gibson's film, but it's it's been received uh, in the opposite way by a lot of people, and that is this man gave up this or went through this for you, Christians. Yeah. And um. And and why is it okay for for Christ to be um, depicted as a man and shown to experience fear, for example, but not for him to be depicted as a man and shown to experience feelings of physical longing or aspirations for the love of a of a wife or a partner and to have children it just seems inherently kind of reasonable that a man who has this choice before him might consider these things you know mm. and that's all that final third is to me mm. it doesn't for a minute um come across as uh the son of god rutting with a prostitute and and that's what actually you know, happened. The gospels are wrong. This is what he did. It's showing you that as a man, as a man who's prone to the weaknesses of all other men, despite the fact he's the son of God, 
and as a man who's also capable of sin which Christ himself I think admitted because um, didn't he ask John the Baptist to to wash his uh, didn't he wash John the Baptist's feet or something might be getting me, me stories mixed up here no he, he washed the feet of the um, well I, I you know I'm no expert ah, yeah. he washed the feet of the disciples that's right he was baptised by John the Baptist yeah and any listening vicars and bishops I don't want them writing in and pulling me up on me on me scripture so well, I'll, no. I'll, and I'll, I'm a theologian <laughs> I, you know, I'm, uh, there's gaps in my knowledge <laughs> I mean, we're going out on a limb with this one, with this, with this podcast. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But um, I, I think um, that it, what what what's depicted is um, it's all right. But but then I'm not I'm not you know I'm not a practicing Christian, am I? So I'm not going to be offended by it in the same way that Chris, Christians are. But uh, I, I think Willem Dafoe was a really interesting choice as well hmm. to play Jesus because uh, he's not your your kind of conventional sort of blue-eyed white-gowned kind of shining beacon of virtue is he it's only had the wide-eyed big teeth sort yeah he's got an effect he's, he's always unsettling when you see him in close-up you, you always forget <laughs> just how kind of just off William Defoe's features are there's something about him that's just kind of the mouth is just a little bit too wide or he looks slightly like um you know those caricatures that people draw around sort of Leicester Square for tourists that come to life a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Yeah. I reckon he could if he could unhinge his jaw. I reckon he does swallow you know yeah. antelopes whole. Yeah. You know that kind of he's got that sort of look about him. But mm. I thought he was a good choice in this film, and I liked as you say some of the imagery. I thought you know the if you go back to the things like the Max von Sydow film, the greatest story ever told, mm. and the. Um, the story of John the Baptist kind of baptizing people, uh, and it's depicted with like this beautiful river, and uh, it's kind of the sun shining, and it, all, it just looks so holy and pure. And in this, the scene has got John the Baptist, who's this dirty old tramp, basically, in mm. sort of like a little kind yeah. of uh, what do you call those things he's wearing? Loincloth. Loincloth kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, dirty hair, dirty beard. And uh, he's got people sort of standing around, shaking their heads. It looks like the weirdest hippie commune imaginable. And um, it and Jesus turns up there, and John the Baptist, like, "Who are you?" And he's kind of aggressive, and it just puts a different spin on things you're very familiar with. And that's one of the interesting things about it as well. Yeah. No, I, I was going to say I really. <laughs> You really gave each other quite a meaningful look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, you're reading too much into, uh, <laughs> into a lot of things happening here. Well, no, I like it. It's good. It means well, it's. Uh, it was the way you went. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then said something, and it just kind of caught me off guard. Sorry. That's right. Um, one of my favourite scenes of the whole film actually is when he's in the desert and and Satan tries to scare him. And ah, you see, now I, I, you know, sorry, but you know what my problem was with that? The voice. And you told me it was Martin Scorsese's voice. As a lion. Yeah. yeah. And I, didn't, I, I thought, no, that's not right. That's not, that, that, that voice just isn't right. That's fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I... I'm, <laughs> Sorry. I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm, uh, this is fair enough. I, I actually thought, you know, when... Right at the end of the film where Satan appears as the, as the sort of burning flame and, and mm. it's just... Yeah, you're right. The voice didn't quite match the... Well, that was a different voice. Oh, okay. Mark Scorsese is just a lion. The fire was voiced by. Um, sorry, I've got it written down. Uh, Leo Marx, who's actually a director, I think. Um, okay. So, um, 
but he, he had these random little um, cameos. Irving Kirshner was in it as well. Yeah, that's right. Zebedee. But, uh, uh, I mean, I, I actually do sometimes wonder why there was so much controversy surrounding this film. Uh, you know, Jesus is a real hero in this film. Because, I mean, basically, what you have is, at the beginning, a very conflicted individual. And I quite like that idea that he was rebelling against what God was saying to him, uh, to well, the point where he was actually making crosses. You know, he's, he, he was a carpenter, but he was using his skills to make crosses for the Romans as a rebellious gesture. And I thought that's an interesting starting point. Obviously, it's not written anywhere in the Bible, but it's, it's just an interesting... To, to pick him to have like a human conflict, that was an interesting way to start off. You look like you're trying to make a point. No, sorry. I was, just, I was going to say that the impression I was getting at the beginning as well was that there, there might be... He might... He was thinking that maybe he was insane. He was hearing voices inside his head, and he was almost having, you know, this kind of pain when he was falling to the floor, and it was kind of like, it was almost like he was being schizophrenic almost, and mm. was having these kind of horrible brain. Absolutely, and that's I've never seen that depicted in a. I mean, it may have been, but I've certainly not seen a film depicting the life of Christ where that's happened, where no. he's considered for him. He's considered. Hang on, am I insane? I'm hearing voices and. Um, I mean, maybe in, in those times, someone who did start hearing voices would be more prone to kind of accepting it as the, the, the voice of a god or the voice of an angel or something. Whereas now we would perhaps be, be more frightened by that. But um, I, 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 yeah, I, I thought that was a really interesting take on it because uh, in the Gospels, you've only got Christ's life starting um, fairly late on, isn't it, really? You, you know nothing of his kind of... From from the birth right through to I don't know teens there's nothing there. Yeah, you basically you've got the nativity. I mean, the nativity is in the gospels, and then you do have it. Then it sort of starts to sort of pick up when he has you know he's at one with himself, what you want to call it, and he's you know he is you know the sermon on the mount and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, comes in. Yeah, so you know as as a there there are there are kind of I think they, they do reference I think I mean like I, said, I don't know references to him you know getting taught carpentry by Joseph because Joseph was a carpenter and I think you know Jesus became a carpenter but you're right in that it's the main focus is the, 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 the latter Jesus the teenage years would just not sit well <laughs> I can't imagine yeah, it's not like the grassy junior high or something yeah <laughs> but um yeah, I, I, but I, I do. I mean, it, the film also set, sets its stall out from the off. A bit like in the book, mm. there's a prologue. In this film, you know, at the beginning, it says this is a fictional account. But yeah, it, that's right. It, and it's a pass, and it shows a passage from the book as well, doesn't yeah. it? And that actually, pro, the prologue by the author of the book actually says, you know, through writing this film, it, it actually helped him kind of, you know, it, it made him sort of love the man more, mm. you know, as you know. Uh, so it was kind of it. it, it and throughout the film it actually does depict Jesus you know it, it, it overtly shows the miracles his miracles a lot more than the other two films we're going to talk about um, and it's all very kind of accurate in terms of kind of where they go with the story his entry into Jerusalem you know the destroying of the temple and all that sort of stuff and um, and when it gets to the actual the crux of the title which is The Last Temptation I think it's probably a realistic depiction of how Satan would probably present him or herself as a very non-threatening figure. In this case, it's the sort of the little girl, uh, yeah. Um, and with a very realistic proposition, like you've done all you need to do. Now come with me, and it's kind of yeah. That I that makes sense to me. Yeah, um, no, I, I agree. Yeah, uh, that that's how it. it you know, it, if if something like that were, were to happen or did happen, that's how sentiment presented itself, rather than this kind of the figure in the Passion of the Christ, which was a much more kind of. 
I don't know, just a very strange looking, you know, it just, it was designed to kind of make you feel a little bit off, basically. Yeah, it was, for me, it was the classic villain, like I said, the, the, particularly at the end where he goes, no. Yeah. The, so, know, I mean, so I, I find that very interesting. There's also the fact that you're, you're obviously in the hands of a master craftsman when you talk about Martin Scorsese, and that mm. comes across. Um, uh, the music was interesting by Peter Gabriel. I've got to say, I think that that might be one of the reasons why I found it a bit laboured. To be honest, mm. uh, the music really put me off. It was. It was. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I I was a massive fan of the music. You could really. I mean, I do like scores, which kind of, you know, uh, w- you know, appreciate a good score. But this score, I could almost hear it a bit too much. Uh, if I, I don't know if that makes I, sense. I know, yeah, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. I know you mean. Um, but so I, I think I'm kind of somewhere. Uh, in the middle between you two is kind of uh, in my opinion this film I do I mean I do like it and I, I also like the ideas but maybe I come from a standpoint that I although I don't remember much of the book I remember really really liking the book and that always kind of puts you maybe on a bad footing with the film because if it doesn't live up to your to your love of the book you're never going to like it as much so maybe it, it suffers in in that respect but uh, uh, I, I, I do like the film and it does confuse me why people I guess people's problems with it will be come from the fact that they're seeing Jesus in these promiscuous situations. Well, not promiscuous, just kind of you know having children and having a family. And but um, people's problems with it would have been that they didn't see it because, as so often with these kind of things, as soon as um, a figure of authority within a certain community says ban it, it, it's this. They hear Jesus has sex. Yeah. In this film, it depicts Jesus having sex with Mary Magdalene. Yeah. And the the context or how that 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 comes about is becomes irrelevant. You know that they, they kind of they see no further than that statement and and how and they can see no further than how outrageous that statement is to to their beliefs. And so I I'll, I would it wouldn't be a huge uh, leap to to suggest that there were there were a huge amount of people who were offended by this film who never saw it. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people are often offended by things they they've not seen or not read. It's the idea of something that offends, and not not the because, and then they they don't even engage with it. It's a classic life of Brian, isn't yeah, it? Really? Yeah, and we've seen that repeated through history yeah. when, it, when it comes to cinema and, and art and literature and what have you. It's as um, it's as it's as old as man's inhumanity to man. Mine's <laughs> <laughs> man's blind indifference to his fellow man. But we, yeah. So but, but it, it, I think also because it humanizes Christ as well to the point maybe where people weren't comfortable with it. Like you say, it shows Jesus being having the, the human faults and human traits, the longing for a family, a, a loving partner, children, a peaceful life, and it. But and in the wider context of films and and the development of films that depict the life of Christ, that has been uh, something that's since I don't know you know the era of Cecil B. DeMille kind of biblical epics mm. that's something that's become more prevalent you know the idea of Christ less as this um, this this figure as I, as I said before um, clothed in glorious white and obviously looking like a god you know in some of yeah. these depictions and more and more being depicted as a man but that um, is in contrast with the stuff that I was saying earlier about the, the miracles it actually kind of shows that he he was touched by something you know godlike and it's depicted much more specifically in Last Temptation of Christ and in, in, in other the other films we're talking about and it's only till you get to that point 
the last temptation point that people have a problem but then if they know the context it actually ends up oh it works it, it works yeah. perfectly but I think, I'm yeah. just wondering if that's one of the reasons a bit like the whole Da Vinci Code thing the, the, the controversy over that was that people believed that what um, Dan Brown it was Dan Brown wasn't it what he was saying was that uh, you know Jesus had children with Mary Magdalene which of course makes him more human than God and it, it people some religious people didn't like that mm. um, and I think maybe that's part of what why there was a bit of controversy surrounding Last Temptation of Christ. I'm not saying that that's correct. I'm not saying that they were they you know they need to watch the film because you're right in in terms of the narrative of the film it works perfectly and it gets the point across. And I think it's a shame that some people maybe didn't have an open enough mind to go and see it because I think mm. if anything it really does show what Jesus gave up for mankind in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it illustrates it brilliantly really I mean and, and the film is successful in that way but I, I do have a couple of problems with it maybe because the the pacing seems a bit off because yeah. you know it just um, it sort of it moves along a pace until you get to kind of um, once he's decided he is going to kind of fulfil his role if you like that the pacing just seems a bit off maybe, like I say but that might be just me kind of trying to relate it to the book which obviously when you read a book it's a lot you know you, just, you take yeah. your time with it um, I, I can the other mechanism which Scorsese used, which he uses a lot, but I just couldn't quite get to grips with, was the um, the, the the interior monologue of, of, of William Defoe, you know, as Jesus. I don't know. I it just I don't know. I just, I just wasn't a fan of it. Yeah, like the the whole scene where he feels like this, feels like he's being followed. Like this, you know. Yeah. Something. Who's there? Yeah. What's that? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I just. But it's it's a it's a minor niggle. I mean, William Defoe is very good in it. Um, I think he, he uh, like say you can sort of you, you take to his character more than you do like say I, I have similar reservations about Harvey Keitel as, as Judas. But um, I wonder if Robert De Niro was offered a part. I'm not sure actually. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I thought um, Barbara Hershey was good as uh, Mary Magdalene as well. Actually. Yeah. Oh, and I like the fact that he cast. Um, Ziggy as uh, as Pontius. Oh, David man. Bowie. David Bowie. <laughs> I forgot about oh, that. Yeah, damn, it's pilot. Uh, sorry, God damn it, I said. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, but why does that man get jobs, <laughs> acting jobs? Like Sting. Well, no. To, to, to be fair, I mean, to be fair to to be fair to Bowie, it's like um, in in the, the Man Who Fell to Earth, he's perfect for that. Yeah, yeah. He's perfect for that. But then he's he's got a presence in that film, I guess. He's yeah, a bit like Arnie. Yeah. If he's not talking, he's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Gaffigan um, Labyrinth. Come on. Oh, well, Labyrinth's a whole other kettle of fish. I, I do love Labyrinth, but I, I put up with him in Labyrinth. Because <laughs> I love the film. Um, uh, yeah. I'm the babe. David Powerway. Uh, you and know. Thomas Arana as Lazarus and uh, I know very quick Harry Dean Stanton as well yeah I quite like Harry Dean Stanton as Saul dash Paul actually yeah. Um, but it, yeah it's um, uh, I, I definitely think people should sort of if you haven't seen it you should watch it you should need, you need to give it its due regardless of you know your how, how you you know your religious upbringing or kind of whether you're religious or not is it Bowie or Bowie I think it's what Bowie do you but say Bowie? You should say Bowie because Bowie knife is spelled the same. Bowie? Yeah. Weirdly Bowie. enough, I say David Bowie. Yeah. So do I, but I think it's Bowie. Next time I meet him, I'll ask him. I think we should set up religious factions. Those who think it's Bowie, and those who think it's Bowie, 
and it will be you know it will be just like you know, yeah it's red hat blue hat <laughs> <laughs> it's what causes the wars uh, I don't know but yeah I mean it, 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 it was a bit of an odd little scene with uh, David Browie um uh, do feel free to email us if you know how it should be pronounced. <laughs> but it's spelled the same, so how do they? <laughs> <laughs> well, he must pronounce it. He must pronounce it one way or the other, mightn't he? I've never heard him say "Hello, my name is David Bowie." <laughs> because everybody, because, because everybody knows who he is, so why would he need to say that? Yeah. yeah. Does he do it in? Um, maybe he did it in extras. You know, when he's kind of taking the piss out of himself. Maybe he didn't say his no, name. No, I think he just says. If you're aware of any clips where David Bowie or Bowie says his name, then do email us. Yeah, yeah. send us a clip. <laughs> um, right, we we what a what yeah, back, to the, back to the top three Bowie films. Yeah, man. Oh yeah. Oh, the Hunger. Ah, yeah. It's actually not bad in that. He's Sorry, no, I that. meant back to the top three. Uh, not the top three Jesus films I meant the three films I'm talking about. <laughs> oh sorry right okay <laughs> tune in next week for the top five Jesus films in at number five uh, well I think we're going to wrap up Lost Temptation uh, I think we've uh, rattled on long enough um, so final thoughts Phil well I think the, I remember the first time I saw it I watched it because I was going through that period where you, you first become interested in a certain director and in this case obviously that was Martin Scorsese and you make every effort you can to see all of the films they've made, and um, and it does. It's very different to your, your kind of usual Morris Scorsese film, isn't it? I mean, it's a different world, for, for for instance. But having said that, it's probably one of his most personal films. Even though I believe all of his films are, you know, the, well, possibly any filmmaker's films are personal to an extent. Uwe Boll, personal films. Mm, yeah. Mm. Mm. I took them very personally. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. <laughs> Post, Postal's beautiful. <laughs> so, um, so it, I think um, if you're a fan of Martin Scorsese and you've never seen it, you might be, you, you, you possibly wouldn't recognise it as a, it doesn't have any of the things that you would associate with the Martin Scorsese film, like gangsters <laughs> and stabbings <laughs> and shootings. Although there is a stabbing. There is. Oh, sorry. There is. Yeah. A so it does have voiceovers. Yeah. And, and, inter- and an interesting it. choice of music. So there's those stamps. Yeah, yeah. Ever since I could remember, I wanted to be the son of God. I go from rags to riches. Brilliant. Eric oh, I've had a few. <laughs> So, <laughs> I really wish it ended with that. <laughs> I did it my way. <laughs> what did you guys make at the end of Last Temptation? Well, with the with the film getting sort of pulled out of the gate, and you know when he's on the cross and he dies, and it all goes to white. What did you guys make of that? Because there's been a lot written about that, which I was actually quite surprised about. But there has actually been a lot of essays written about that supposed to represent. Jesus's resurrection or the moment of death. I mean, what did you guys? Well, think? I think it's it's one of those moments that can be interpreted in a zillion different ways because it is so it is by its nature kind of ambiguous. Um, I, I, if I'm honest, I, I didn't really sit down and have a personal take on it. Um, I, there must have been a reason why he did it. Do, do you know what the reason was? Did it fuck up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So there's been a lot of essays written about it, but what actually happened was the film got pulled out of the of the sprockets of the camera, and it, and that was that was how it, that's what it what happened. 
and Jesus, uh, Jesus, and Mike Scorsese, who is Jesus, um, liked it so much that he left it in, and that's. I love that, you know, we'll come to another moment later, actually, which was a mistake that is kept in. There's a moment in Jesus Christ Superstar where that happens as well. You do, I, I love those moments, especially if they spark that sort of discussion. And, oh, absolutely. You know, it's brilliant. Um, anyway. But, but final thoughts? From... Um, I think, uh, even though I did have problems with the film, the pacing, like you said, Pete, was, was way off for me, and the music was just, I really didn't like it. Um, there are moments, it looks fantastic, there, there are moments where... I was really getting engaged with the film. I think with the controversy surrounding it for you know back in the early uh, mid '80s, sorry, when it came out, I, I think or no late '80s actually wasn't it '88? Yeah, '88. Um, I think if if you're interested in film, if you're interested in cinema, particularly as it's Martin Scorsese as well, I think you should watch this film. In fact, I think you should watch any film. If you fancy watching it, you should just watch it. Um, don't just listen to us, you know, make your own opinions. But um, <laughs> well, do listen to us. Well, yeah, <laughs> listen to us. Don't switch off. But don't necessarily mm. you know take our word for it if we all think the film's crap you should still well, watch it if you fancy watching it but um, yeah. uh, it's an important film in terms of the history of cinema so for that reason definitely watch it yeah I mean it's one of those things that you you, you know if we say don't watch this it's a load of old crap you're probably still mm. going to go watch it because yeah. it's Mark Scorsese's Last Temptation of Christ however in this case it is actually a genuinely interesting film oh, uh, yeah when you can say what you like about it but you know whether I enjoyed it or not but it, it's certainly an interesting film yeah. in terms of film um, you know, in terms of a scholarly sort of, uh, sort yeah. of way, yeah, and it's I don't know, it's just, I, and I also urge you to read the book as well. Actually, if if nothing, if this actually, if this is a film that you might be like me, I'm not a massive fan of, especially within the sort of school Scorsese canon. Um, if it if it leads you to the book, that's no bad thing. Hmm. Okay, guys, thanks a lot. That was Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah! <laughs> attention, everybody! I pay attention, all of ya! Let me ask you something. Rob G. What are you gonna do this time? Well, I'm gonna do a little number called. Jesus Christ, oh Jesus Christ! Teddy ho, teddy ho! Well done. Hmm. Okay, now we're gonna get to the last of our three films uh, we're covering in today's podcast which is Norman Jewison's Jesus Christ Superstar a rock opera based very very much upon the uh, the Broadway musical by Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice uh, which was based on the album yes it's an album first there was a studio album by who well it was actually uh, a lot of the same cast but yeah. um, uh, the, sort of an album and, a, and, a, and an original Broadway production um, but uh, oh, and by the way, uh, we've actually answered the question about David Bowie. Well, we haven't answered it. We've we've got a theory. Uh, yeah, I reckon it's a pretty solid theory though, um, which is that there's no way that David Bowie must have named his son Zowie to rhyme with the surname. There's no way he'd have called him Zowie Bowie. Yeah. So it's I reckon a, it's he's very, David Bowie. It's a very very good point. But then, Duncan. Doesn't rhyme with Jones, does it? It doesn't. He'd have to call himself Duncan Munken, Junkin, <laughs> double barrel it, you know. Yes, <laughs> Duncan Junkin Munken. <laughs> Regardless, I think you'll find that a teetsy fly in your theory. <laughs> I suppose it is a surreal one at that. Um, yeah, surreal fly. 
Hey, what? Come on. Uh, Unless Duncan was his surname. Uh, that's a single sound effect there. Thanks. Dun- Dunking Duncan. Like Dunkin' Donuts, but Dunkin' Duncan. Dunkin' Dunkin' Dunkin'. Dunkin'. Yeah. You see, you've just gone wrong. You've just gone mm. too far. Moon, directed by Dunkin' Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Someone tossed that dead horse out of this room. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to toss a dead horse. We're going to wash that right out of our hair and move on to uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Ooh. Directed by Norman Jewison. Starring Ted Neely as Jesus Christ and Carl Anderson as Judas Iscariot. And uh, we're going to just jump straight in here. Uh, with Phil, who I know watched this film for the first time, not th- just this very week. Uh, so, go for it. Well, I have a very strange and awkward relationship with musicals, full stop. And I, I think my default kind of setting, until I'm won over by a musical, is one of vague kind of embarrassment. And, you know, I, I'm, I can feel my toes ready to, to curl up in my silken Turkish slippers every time I, <laughs> I, I watch one so um, and you know the, uh, do, you, uh, do you remember the Gene Kelly uh, Frank Sinatra and the other one film uh, On the Town yeah. the musical and you know you've got that and then you've got someone like Singing in the Rain and my reaction to both of those two very kind of conventional Hollywood musicals is poles apart there's something about On the Town for example that just I find excruciatingly embarrassing. Mm. It's all that kind of, kind of. You can't see what I'm doing, but I'm I'm posing with my ribs out and me me kind of cheek up and hey, say guys, and sure, sure, leave and all that yeah. kind of stuff. It's so kind of over the top. I, I am completely and, with you on this. And I, whereas singing in the rain, I just find beautiful and charming, and could watch again and again. But I think I have to be won over by a musical. My as I say, my initial reaction. My default setting is just that I'm prepared to be embarrassed and a little bit and, and cringe a little bit. So when I put um, Jesus Christ Superstar on and saw the bus, um, the coach uh, arriving in the desert and the Manson family all pouring out of it, <laughs> and um, I thought, oh, hey, here we go. And they're all looking kind of, well, hey, let's do the show here, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of and thought, fame. <laughs> and there was scaffolding set up, and I thought, ah, oh, it's going to be like, they're going to do it like a, they're doing a, they're doing a musical, and they, they're not making any bones about the fact they're doing a musical. They're reveling in the fact that they're doing a musical. And I couldn't, I couldn't get away. Part of it is I wasn't, I was totally unfamiliar with the music, apart from the big tune that we all know. And so I, I can I found it, I was struggling with it all the way through, um, partly for that reason, partly as well, um, the the kind of earnestness of it. Mm. Um, it, it as we said, be, we, as we've mentioned with other films that we talked about, there's the more recent the picture it tends to be, the more kind of um, realistic, if you like, or certainly you know a kind of contemporary look at Christ as a man and. There's less kind of um, piety around the, the, the depiction, and I just felt in this there was, it was just all a little bit kind of, uh, you know, young Christian kind of guitars, and I, I just I couldn't escape that all mm-hmm. the way through it, and um, I remember one scene in particular. I think it was when um, they were doing the song about Peter uh, denying Jesus, mm-hmm. and she was, "Hey, you were there." And I was like, ah, and I couldn't, do you know what I mean? And I I couldn't, I know you love it. Mm. And so I was, I was really interested to see, because I, 
I couldn't imagine what it would be like. You know, I, I, I'm familiar with um, Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals like Phantom of the Opera and um, Joseph and stuff like that, and I'm kind of not a massive fan of them. But um, this just it's it seemed dated, mm. and um, I just couldn't get on with it. Okay, Mark. No, it's it's fair enough. Um, I, I, talking about Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice, this is actually I can't stand their stuff, and this is the only one that this is their only uh, opera, if you like, that I that I like. And, and let's not forget, it is a it is a rock opera uh, as opposed to a musical. Um, yeah, sorry. There's, I mean, with musical, you've got you've got dialogue, haven't you? That's right. Whereas an opera is all singing, so even the exposition is sung. Um, which I actually usually detest unless it's like classic opera like Wagner or, or, or Verdi or something like op- that. Are they called light operas or operettas or something? I'm not sure. I, don't, I, don't I, I think this is classed as an opera. Yeah. Um, that whole kind of, you know, let me tell you how I'm feeling or what I'm yeah. feeling is wrong. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> let me sing you exposition in song. Yeah. Um, all that kind That's of stuff. Rhymed. Did you? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I practiced that last That was time. brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and that usually winds me up, mm. like you said, Phil. That whole sort of scene where you know, hey, you were there, no, I wasn't. Mm. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but I actually love <laughs> this film, and I've never seen, I've never actually gone to see, see it on stage. I've never uh, listened to the album. I'm only familiar with the music and and this film, so I can't compare it to any of the other versions out there. But I love it. Um, I love the cinematography. I love the performances, um, the, the the lyrics as much as, like I said, I don't like Angelo Weber and Tim Rice. Obviously, Tim Rice does the lyrics. Angelo Weber writes the music. Um, the the lyrics in this are, are like so good um, for the actual, you know, the actual songs. Not so much the exposition parts, but the actual songs. And um, I kind of like that sort of hippie setting. I mean, it was made in the what was it 73 did this come yeah, out 74 something 74 and he's still got that kind of like you said the Manson family sort of vibe to it which but I actually kind of like that um, just sort of adds to the to the sort of Christian rock <laughs> sort of 70s Christian rock thing and um, I just think the performances I mean the guy that plays Judas sort of, what was his name again Carl Anderson yeah uh, jaw droppingly good performance um, I thought it was a bit wrong when they Crucified the poor bloke playing Jesus, and then all got back on the coach at the end, and sodded off. Did they leave him up there? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's not in the coach at the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the guy that plays Pilot kind of has a, as he's getting on the coach, kind of pauses and looks into the distance to where Je- where Jesus would be, with a sort of look of, you know, he's upset that he's, you know, and then he gets on the coach. Barry Denon who plays Pilot. He's he was part of the original Broadway. Um, production he's brilliant and he's been in a lot of stuff since then so hang on a minute then so uh, what's that about what with him not being on the coach and then he's not on the cross what's gone on there well I'll tell you what I'll certainly answer that question (laughs) I need to tell you what I think of it first (laughs) can I just pull up a a bean bag for this because I've been looking forward because you know I respect your opinion hugely so whenever you love something I'm kind of very interested to hear what it is because I, I, I was that was part of the frustration of this film for me that um, you know when you can't see in it what other, what someone else can see mm. and um, 
I mean, if Mark had loved it, it wouldn't have bothered me at all, you know. But the, the fact that it was just you that loved it. Oh. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I know Mark likes any old shit. <laughs> no, well, it was, it, I guess I'd championed this. <laughs> Wait, anyway, what was it? Um, I've got um, Adventures in the Forbidden Zone with Michael Ironside downstairs. <laughs> I definitely think we should be watching that. Really? Later. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, but I, you know, I get what you're saying, uh, Phil. When you watch a musical for the first time, you're not really watching it. Um, and when I saw, the, I think I was about 12 when I first saw this, and to me it was just like, wow, this is a weird take on a story I've heard a zillion times in Sunday school. Um, so it just that's what intrigued me at an early age, and maybe you want to watch it again. And once you get past the initial, this is a musical or this is an opera, you start to listen to the lyrics. Yeah, and I'm, you start yeah, to watch yeah. the film. And Mark's bang on. The lyrics are the triumph in this film. The music's good. I, I mean, I do like the music, but the lyrics are a real triumph because, um, I mean, I get what you're saying about them all turning up on the coach and they're a bunch of hippies. It's a bit like the cast of Hair have turned up. And instead of singing about, you know, marijuana and cunnilingus, they're singing about Jesus and, <laughs> and the crucifixion. Uh, they somehow it, managed to combine those elements. <laughs> yeah. This would be a whole other discussion. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think a psychiatrist would find your juxtaposition of words there rather interesting <laughs> well it's out there now so it's in, it's in the ether but uh, basically what that, that to me what they're doing is they're setting the stall out as this being a theatrical production so they're not saying yeah. this is going to be an epic they're saying this is a bunch of uh, guys who've gone out as a th- the- like a theatre group Yeah. so we're going to have um, um, about 30 people or 40 or 50 people depicting 30 or 40,000 we're going to protect you know we're just, we're just getting that out there now that this is what we're going to do and from that point on, it cuts from the coach scene to the scene of uh, Judas sitting on that rock yeah. in that amazing setting, which, like you said, Mark, the, fo- the photography there is just outstanding. Just, just, just everything about the film, yeah. the way it looks, and, and the, the, the camera setup, the, you know, even the blocking, you know, where the, the characters are, are, are standing and, and the way they're framed in the in the sort of that widescreen sort of it's just fucking amazing shot that's obviously Norman Jewison shot in going his shit I mean this is a guy basically they, they chose a guy to who's done think films like you know The Cincinnati Kid and In the Heat of the Night um, In the Heat of the Night particularly you know real dramatic film and they've chosen him to, to put on film this opera which is an interesting choice from the off um, maybe maybe it was his choice obviously you know he obviously saw the musical and saw something in it uh, he got uh, Douglas Slocum to do the photography who's you know he's like Oscar winning he did you know he's done all I mean well his CV's ridiculous but I mean of note would be things like all the three Indiana Jones films um, a lot of the old kind of evening comedies and uh, well I've got his kind of some filmography some of his stuff here but he's he's won a zillion you know he's done a, done a load of Oscars <coughs> uh, won a load of Oscars but certainly um, sort of uh, you know, this is a this is a guy who really knows how to frame a shot, and with the setting of Israel, they actually filmed it in Israel, kind of uh, as his canvas. Him and Norman Jewison as a pair just made the look the film look amazing. But I guess when it comes to the crunch with this film, and I have seen it a lot of times, is once you like say get to know the lyrics and get to know the characters, you learn to forgive. I see its flaws, so I learn to forgive the stuff mm. that you were talking about, like hey, it's you. Look at you! You were with that man. They took her away, um, and then you sort of get to the stuff between Jesus and Judas. And what, the one thing I really love about this film is is how they depict Judas. And one of the controversies about this film, and it's always going to come with controversy doing films about this particular story, 
is they uh, Judas is the sympathetic character in in this uh, it's seen from his point of view yeah and he's uh, all the way through the film he's trying to justify to himself what he's doing and um you know the the the, the scenes between Jesus and Judas when they're just talking they're, they're talking to each other that's kind of I've seen it enough times now I know they're singing a song but the back and forth is um you know really amazing it's like a conversation rather than a, than a song and um and when it gets to the crunch of Judas having to do what he's doing he always just looks bewildered and he's thinking why am I doing this and when it gets to the really harsh scene which is obviously the scene when he decides he's going to hang himself they they do it in voiceover which I thought was a good idea and the lyrics are stuff like um, you know I don't know why you chose me to commit this crime I don't know why you chose me to to, um, commit this bloody crime so he uh, he, he, well he's, he's kind of singing so saying voiceover <laughs> yeah. well the thing is in, in the actual <laughs> in the actual thing it's not actually singing he's you know saying you have chosen me you have chosen me yeah, it's this yeah, sort of yeah. stuff you know for this bloody crime and he hangs himself as a voiceover's going and that's kind of that, that harks back to what you were saying about the passion about he was you know he, this is what he had to do this is what he was chosen for and, very and, harsh yeah and that scene I mean, that's, it's much more successful than any of the other films we talked about at that particular dilemma that he must have faced. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, re- really kind of, you know, like you say, that the, the triumph is Judas in this film. Carl Anderson was unbelievable, and you know, and what a voice as well. Oh, amazing! What a voice. Harking <laughs> uh, back to the first song, which kind of looks like um, it says in the commentary, actually, it's like a precursor to the to the, to the rock video basically when he's on top of the, the mountains and he's singing um, you know it's just man what a voice um, so it's again a bit like when we t- talked about Highlander back you know a, f- a few months ago in that podcast um, there's a lot of intangible elements to this as to why I love it but at the heart of it you've just got this um, relationship between Judas Jesus and Judas which you know, is depicted really brilliantly. <laughs> Although I do think we should refer to the pair of them as Judas. Judas, yeah. <laughs> as I realised I said that Judas as a pair, um, and then it segues into what you know the stuff that we're more familiar with, which is you know the passion, the flogging, and, and all that, you know, and, and those sides. And and it's it doesn't sort of heart, heart, you know it doesn't hold back on that as well. I know it's not as harsh as the passion, but the flogging scene when pilots counting the flogs, you yeah, know, each whip to thirty nine. You know, it's very very harsh. Um, and very well done as well I love the music in that yeah yeah um, so it's yeah uh, I mean that that's why I love it it's not so, I'm, I'm not a Lloyd Webber fan by any stretch um, but the lyrics and music to this film you know how, how they put it together and um, the random screenplay you know Melvin Bragg helped with the screenplay yeah it's kind of a strange one uh, but just those the ingredients it was kind of uh, you know the, the, the cinematographer or director of photography and Norman Jewison as a choice of director together with you know what, what Tim Rice did with the lyrics and uh, and what they did with the music just kind of as a whole I don't know it just kind of worked for me and the, the bit at the end uh, Norman Jewison said that he, he left it uh, deliberately kind of ambiguous but the mistake I was talk, talking about, well, not mistake, just coincidence, is that um, when everyone's got on to the, the coach, apart from Ted Neely, who played Jesus, um, the last shot is of the, the, the cross with a sunset, and that's all he had intended to film. But then, just randomly, a shepherd came by with a sheep and walked into shot 
and that wasn't supposed to you know that, yeah. that wasn't planned and he said well you know I've got to keep that <laughs> you know, that's just ridiculous uh, but it just kind of keeps it open and and, and unlike keeps the, it open for a sequel that we spoke about well, yeah, exactly you know um, which you know hey it's going to be great <laughs> um, but unlike unlike the Passion of the Christ unlike the Last Temptation of Christ yeah, Jesus isn't he's not the miraculous individual in this film you, you don't see him perform the miracles they're referred to certainly but uh, you know, in, in the one big scene with all the lepers and, and the, the injured, he doesn't actually heal any of them. He's no, just, he's, 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 he's overcome I'm, by them. Yeah, he's overcome by them. Like, you're, um, you're, you know, you're crowding me. Yeah. He's freaking out. Um, and so it, it's kind of it almost shows him, even though it's kind of very theatrical, he, he's more of a he's more down to earth in this film almost, and in, in I think than in the other two, he's depicted as more more you know the, the inner conflict of, of of the man rather than you know. And the, his song, uh, when he's actually sort of pleading to God to not have to have himself crucified, and then changing his mind and saying, "Okay, you yeah, know, I'll do it, I'll die," man, I just think that's electric. No, so that's why I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I also think a special shout out to the guy who plays Simon as well, who's a fucking mental. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Simon the fucking mental, I believe, was his uh, title, as opposed <laughs> to Simon the Zealot, or whatever it is. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Simon the fucking mental. <laughs> so you got what, one. One was the tax collector. One was the uh, one was the shepherd. One was the carpenter. One was the fucking mental. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, was, that was it. Um, um, I mean, you, and the, I mean the other thing is, you, but like I say, I recognise the faults because the guys who are. I mean, more so than the Passion of the Christ, as Mark said earlier, the the guys playing the the Jewish priests Caiaphas and Annas. I mean, they're you know he's a I am Caiaphas. <laughs> he's a real kind of. He's a really big kind of evil figure with a very deep woman you would white and, it, and it's kind of well I mean if you're going to accuse someone of you know anti-semitism or whatever I mean what they are is in this story they're the bad guys in yeah. the story um, and but you can kind of get away with that in an opera because the the idea of opera is that it's grandeur and it's and it's yeah. over the top and it's in your face and, and that's how you define the villains the villains are over the top it was, well like you say it's theatrical so you've yeah. got the over the top villains with the big booming voice and then you've got the you know the more heroic people and, and yeah. it's just the kind of way it is and that's maybe that's why they got away with it more than say the Passion of the Christ did plus also Mel Gibson not as many saying. people saw it yeah, yeah. but the, uh, it's just but the fact that is, uh, Judas wasn't the villain and when I was yeah. growing up in Sunday school I mean I, I remember quite overtly some kind of thing some kind of like picture books I would read of you know the stories of Jesus and things like that and Judas would be depicted as like the you know the guy with the kind of the the evil eyebrows and the sneer and the pointy nose or whatever and it was that it was that overt <laughs> and I thought and thinking back to I mean it's probably not that anymore you know I've, you know, I'm yeah. going to get 20 years you know more um, but it's just seeing Judas as a sympathetic character I know it's contra controversial in some circles but I I just I for me that seems to me that how it must have been for him to know he was you know to have that conflict and and then realise once he has betrayed him to realise that um, you know you know he was a you did this to me yeah I suppose he yeah he was a you know and yeah. and the, 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 the most he was the Lee Harvey Oswald of his time he was yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah I was thinking more of the Gary Oldman really yeah well he was very believable unless we forget this film was directed by Norman Jewison I know you've mentioned that but Jew is son hey <laughs> blimey hey hey it all links it is a conspiracy and, and is he a man because it's Norman 
Normal Jewish man, Jewish son. Is son normal Jew? <laughs> and let's also point out that, um, of course, when this all really happened 2,000 years ago or thereabouts, um, it, it was actually people did sing and dance back then. They did. They did. Um, Jesus was the Lord of the dance. They made a song about it. They did. Said, they? Yeah. Uh, dance, was it dance then wherever you may be? I am the Lord of the dance, said he, and said I'll he. lead you all wherever you may be. Yeah. When I was well, a he kid, actually sung that. When I was a kid, I thought the lyrics were, uh, I am the Lord of the dance, I am the Lord of the dark settee. <laughs> I was always really confused. Um, but yeah, we've um, oh, we've gone off track a little bit then. But yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> we're going to get dark settee, fifth day fundamentalists. <laughs> yeah. over oh, Jesus, so I've, I've got a dark settee, so that mean I don't actually own it. You're the Lord of the dark settee. Oh, no, or yeah, is you Jesus? You're certainly not. Yeah. Oh, it's a Jesus So, angel. um... Yeah, uh, so, right, reining it back in uh, to Jesus Christ Superstar then. So there are there are many reasons why, and it took a fair few watches to kind of uh, get it to kind of the status where I do, you know, it's probably, you know, I have to put my cards on the table and say it's probably one of my favourite films. It's certainly a film I've seen a hell of a lot more than most other films. Um, but uh, uh, Mark, well, you know, wrapping up... Um... No, I completely see your point. I think I think it's one of those films where it, it does have its faults, but for me personally, it's just I just love it, and it's it's one of those things where it's sort of a bit like Conan the Barbarian in that it it's it does have its faults. It's not a perfect film, but I just love watching it, and it's just pure entertainment for me. Mm. And I also relate to it more emotionally in terms of the story of Jesus than I do with the other two films we reviewed. Um, the Passion of the Christ and the Temptation of Christ. Uh, it's just yeah, it's just, I don't, just it just does. That's a music triumph for the film actually. That you do. I feel the same. And it's and it, it took a rock opera done by hippies to to actually make a connection yeah. with the story more so than the kind of the more grander productions. Can I say grander productions? I don't know. Just more kind of serious productions. I suppose you might. I mean, say. I'd, I'd say Passion of the Christ is certainly a yeah. A, a, I, I wouldn't class Lord's Temptation of Christ as a grander production. But. Yeah. No, no, wrong word, I suppose. Because that's, yeah, but... Uh, Phil? Not one for me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, it's... The thing is, I think what what you've got to take from this film is that it's one from my youth, which is always going to be different, you know. Yeah, I think when, when you saw this film for the first time, probably makes a huge difference. It's a bit like... I think you said this before in a previous podcast, actually, Mark. It's a bit like something... It's not similar, but you... Something like The Goonies, which is a film that you love as a kid and so you love it as an adult. You, If you watched it as an adult now, you probably wouldn't like it so much. Mm. So, I mean, this 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 film has been a constant. Uh, and so, you know, you, you know, you make that link. Uh, so I don't, I don't know if I'd come to it for the first time now, if I'd feel the same. I like the shepherd bit at the end, though. Yeah, the fact mm. that that was a complete... Um, I like the fact that I like it even more because mm. of that. Yeah, it's just strange how these things going to happen. I, I you've got to love those moments, actually. But uh, uh, yeah, okay. So we've all wrapped up now. I think that's um, uh, well. I, as maybe just a final thought, I guess before we we properly wrap up the whole podcast. Um, taking the three together and having watched them all three, say in quite close quarters. Um, Phil, what, what I mean, the three films in turn, not necessarily kind of your final thoughts on all three but what, what one did you sort of take, get the most out of like the most feel the best about Passion Temptation Superstar in that order Mark uh, Superstar Passion Temptation 
That sounds a bit more meaningful. That yeah, order. It does. Yeah. Um, and um, I actually agree with Mark. Although Passion and Temptation is a close call, but Superstar is definitely my favourite. But uh, the, the most interesting kind of double bill, if you like, if you're going to do a double bill, is um, uh, actually watching The Passion of the Christ and then Jesus Christ Superstar. Because that actually, comparing and contrasting those two, you realise what, what, how, how Tim Rice, what Tim Rice did with the lyrics there, in that he, they basically tell the same story. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, Jesus Christ Superstar does it with music and makes it no less emotional, I think. You know, it's not a lot less brutal, yeah. but it's no less emotional. And so, what do you guys think of um, the Marilyn Manson album, Antichrist Superstar? I have not, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know it well. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be a, a, an interesting marriage of, uh, of genres, though. Good. <laughs> <laughs> right, thank you guys so much for your uh, for your thoughts and feelings and sharing and all that sort of bollocks. Um, <laughs> all that hippie shit. <laughs> we got all emotional and shit. Uh, but we're going to wrap up now, guys. Um, we're not entirely sure what we're going to be uh, reviewing in the next podcast just yet, but I can tell you, though, this much, is that we're going to start doing what we're, we're calling a, a chairman's choice or a chair's choice, where whoever's chairing an, an episode is going to decide what the running order is going to be. And Mark's up next. So no pressure, mate. Okay. Make it spectacular, though. I thought you did know what we were going to do next. No. No, no. Well, we're, t- we're talking about doing a, um, a Thing podcast, but that'll be that'll be in time for the Thing 30th anniversary, which is in June. Yeah. Um, so there'll be a, a few between. So there'll, there'll, be, there'll be at least one in between then. Um, and uh, But it, in the meantime, if you do want to... Don't make promises that your podcast can't cash. <laughs> don't make promises we can't cash <laughs> uh, uh, you know yeah, yeah, I just realised god I'm so lame <laughs> so lame dude <laughs> don't, don't write checks your promises can't what is it don't write checks don't write checks you can't cash no you can't it's post. don't write checks your podcast podcast can't cash don't, don't write checks they're being phased out yeah, <laughs> it's all it's all chip and pin now, baby. Uh, but uh, if you do want to uh, get, they're not actually. Sorry, they're not. They've, they've, they've changed their mind. Yeah, they're coming oh, back in a big way. Checks are coming back, folks. Oh, excellent! I love it. <laughs> right. Anyway, if you do want to get in contact with us and ask any questions, have any thoughts, comments, if you want to tell us about films you've seen and loved, you might want us to see and review. We're always happy to take suggestions. You can email us on. Opticnerds at hotmail.co.uk. Wonderful. So, uh, all that is remains to do and say and stuff is goodbye, Phil. Goodbye. And goodbye, Mark. Goodbye. Cheers, guys. See you later. Mm-hmm.